Well, good morning. We are on a sermon that I have titled, The Rapture. Now, when I say the rapture, some of you know what I'm talking about. But others of you may think, I'm not sure I know what you, ta- what you mean when you say the rapture. So just to begin, I want to give you a definition. The rapture is an event coming in the future where Christians will be snatched up into heaven. That there is this event that's happening when we'll be caught up to go up into heaven and be with the Lord. Now, a few weeks ago, I mentioned to you uh, my grandpa, my grandpa Weir, my mom's dad, great, grand, awesome, not my great grandpa, my grandpa, he's an awesome grandpa, and my grandma was an awesome grandma too. Both of them are with the Lord right now, but uh, they, had, they had perfect grandma and grandpa names. So my grandpa was Glenavon, and my grandma was Mildred. Glenavon and Mildred, wonderful, wonderful couple. And I tell you what, they complimented each other so nicely. Um, like my, my grandpa, he was a jokester. He just, you know, there's always something was funny to him, and he'd make something funny. My grandma, on the other hand, was a worrier. So she would like fret about things, and then my grandpa would try to make light of them. And uh, my mom, when she, uh, you know, had us and became an adult, she, like, swung the pendulum way away from her mother, Mildred, you know, my grandma. Uh, like, my mom was really laid back. She's 81 today. She's still laid back. Like, things don't really, you know, she doesn't get worried about much of anything. And I remember when I was in high school, I think it was about high school age, she was telling me a story about her mom, Mildred, my grandma, and how she actually had my grandpa put clean underwear on before bed. And the reason why... Grandpa had to put clean underwear on was because, well, in case the rapture happened. And my grandma thought, now you don't want Jesus coming back and bringing us up there and being caught with dirty underwear on now, do you? And she was serious. She was serious. My grandma was so worried about the rapture that she said, we have got to be ready for it right down to your underwear. I mean, that's how serious she was about it. Now, today, it seems like gone are the days when the rapture seems to occupy our attention like that. I mean, my mom's growing up years, the rapture was ever like, it's going to happen at any moment. We can just tell. And today, you don't hear about it much. Um, Today, I wonder how many of us have the rapture on our radar, you know? How much does it come to our mind? How much do we think about it? How much does it affect our everyday living? Well, when I was growing up, uh, the wore off on my parents because uh, in our home, the rapture was thought about often. You know, it's like, hey, hey, I don't know if I'd be doing that. I mean, what if Jesus comes, sees you doing that? And that stuck with me even into my young adult years when I had my rebellious years, you know, that I've shared over the, over the course of time here. I mean, I remember sometimes I'm doing some not-so-nice things. And I remember thinking in the middle of them, oh boy, (laughs) I hope Jesus doesn't come now. I mean, you know, I hope he doesn't catch me doing this now. Uh, I just need to, you know, and it kind of sort of kept us on the straight and narrow. Well, uh, I I would say that um, for us, the rapture ought to motivate us. This idea that we're going to all of a sudden go to be with the Lord when he returns, that this ought to be a motivator for us. It ought to have an effect on our lives. But I wonder if we have a clear biblical understanding as to what that effect ought to be. 
For my grandma, she worried. It caused her to just be a worrier around the rapture. For me, it kind of scared me, like, oh, no, what if I am doing something wrong and the rapture happens? So we want to turn to the Bible and, and help, help us understand, well, what, how should we be motivated by the rapture? Now, as I'm talking about the rapture, you may have some questions that come to your mind. As I'm preaching, you may be thinking, hmm, I wonder about this, I wonder about that. And so we have a phone number that you can text questions to down in the lower right-hand corner there. And uh, it's a real easy number to remember, 923-2121. 923-2121. So along the way, I'd love you to get out your cell phones, and as I'm preaching and you wonder about something or I'm not clear about something or you just have a question, you feel free to text that number. And at the end of the service, uh, we're going to take as many questions as we can. We had some great questions in the first hour. I know that we're going to get some great questions in this second hour here. And uh, at the end of the service, for the time allotted, I'll answer as many of those questions as I can. And then whatever I don't answer, then I'll answer via video. I'll do a video uh, recording of me answering all the questions that come in. Uh, and so feel free to text away. And then this week, whatever I don't get to today, I'll be sure to cover as best as I can. Uh, coming up on our Facebook page. We'll post it on our Facebook page. So uh, let's talk about why we should look forward to the rapture. We should look forward to the rapture not out of fear, like, oh no, the rapture is going to happen, but we should look forward to the rapture because it gives us hope. It gives us hope that the rapture ought to instill in us this positive feeling of hope of something that's coming. There are actually two main passages uh, in, the, in the scriptures that really lay out the details of what's going to be happening in the rapture that I want to take us to. One of them is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and another one is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles handy, you can put your finger in those two spots, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't have your Bibles handy, that's fine. We're going to have the scriptures right up here on the screen for us. So First of all, just to focus on um, what the rapture ought to do for us. It ought to instill in us the sense of hope. So go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and uh, let me just lay it out for you before I dive in. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the, the Christians in the first century in this church, in the city of Thessalonica, uh, knew that when Jesus went into heaven, he was going to come back and establish his kingdom on the earth. And they thought that was going to happen like in pretty short order. Like, yeah, he'll go to heaven, but he'll come back and he'll set up his kingdom and everything will be great. But then their loved ones started dying. Christians, you know, their fellow Christians, they started dying and Jesus wasn't returning. And so they started to worry, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, what happens to those who have died before the kingdom is established on the earth? And so the Apostle Paul answers that question here, beginning at verse 13. He says this, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, and by the way, that, that word asleep is an idiom of that day. When, when they talked about someone dying back in the first century, they would say, well, they're asleep. It was just the way that they would say somebody died. And so uh, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about, or uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep or those who have died, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. He's saying, I'm going to tell you about this rapture thing so that I can give you hope, so that you don't have to be grieved like without any hope, but I want to give you hope. And the first thing that we see about this hope that because of the rapture is we look forward to the rapture because it gives us hope that we will see our loved ones again. 
He's saying, listen, I know they died. I realize that. But I want to give you hope that you're going to see your loved ones again. Look at verse 14. He writes, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. There's that idiom again about dying. Those who have died in Jesus. Now notice something interesting about this. When Jesus returns, he says those who have died, they've gone to heaven, they're with Jesus. When he comes back, he's going to bring your loved ones with him so that when he comes back to bring us there, they're going to be with him. So he's taking those in heaven, bringing them with him to bring about this event called the rapture. Verse 15, for this we say to you by word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep or those who have died. Now listen to this description of the rapture. I love 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Just get your mind around this. Let your mind kind of imagine what this is going to be like. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Now by the way, this idea of him descending from heaven, this is why we think heaven is above us. Because when he went up into heaven in Acts chapter 1, he ascended into heaven. Now that he's returning, he's descending from heaven. So where's heaven? This was one of the questions along the way that was asked. Heaven is somewhere up, it seems. We can't see it, but it's there. And so with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, which by the way, Jude chapter 9, or Jude verse 9, says that the archangel is Michael. So Michael is the, the, the general, you know, he's the main angel in charge of, of all the angels. And so with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, you see the sense of trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, which by the way, um, you're going to have to hold off on that about the idea like, wait, they're in heaven, how come they're rising? It doesn't seem to make sense. Um, when I get to the third point of why this is why we have hope, I'm going to elaborate on that, so hold your thoughts on that. But anyway, the dead in Christ rise first in verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the cloud. Can you picture that? Caught up together with them in the cloud. By the way, let me highlight that phrase, caught up. That's where we actually get the English word rapture from. Uh, you have to go back to the 300s. It's the first time that the New Testament in its original language, which was Greek, was translated into another language in the late 300s. And uh, it was translated into the other language of Latin. For some of you, you may know the word the Latin Vulgate. That's what was the translation. And so in the Latin, when they went from the Greek to the Latin, in the English, it's caught up. When you go Greek to English, it's caught up. When you go Greek to Latin, it's, lap, uh, it's raptus, the Latin word raptus, and therefore we get the English word rapture from that. It means to be caught up, as it says here in the English. So this rapture, this being caught up, that we have this hope because we're going to see our loved ones again. Like the Christians in the New Testament church, Paul was saying, listen, I know that these people had put their faith in Jesus. They trusted that he died for their sins and he rose from the grave and they received the gift of eternal life from him by faith. And I know that you're grieving. I know that you're sad, but don't don't fear. Don't worry. I want you to have hope because, listen, you're going to see him again. I just just it's true. You're going to see him again. As I look around the congregation, I I know some of your stories and I know some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have people who are so near and dear to your heart, but you know they went to heaven. And like the Apostle Paul did in the first century, I want by the authority of the Scriptures to say to you, 
I know you grieve. I know there's a hole in your heart. I get it. I, my, I miss my grandma and grandpa and, and other loved ones as well. But this is the hope. We're going to see him again. And it might be in the rapture because it could happen at any moment. And so this ought to give us hope even in the midst of our grief. If they are in Christ, they're with the Lord and he's going to come back and he's going to bring them with, uh, with him and we're going to meet them in the air. Well, we look forward to the rapture secondly because it gives us hope that we will see Jesus. So not only are we going to see our loved ones, but we're actually going to see Jesus. You know, for many of us here, the guy that we've been praying to, the, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords that we just sang to, the, the, the one that we seek after to guide us, we're going to finally see him. Notice again verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. To meet him in the air. We're going to go up and we're going to meet him in the air. A number of years ago when our two oldest children were little, we lived in uh, Arizona. And uh, we went to San Diego. We went to SeaWorld in San Diego when Brandon and, and Allison were really little and uh, I, I tell you what, SeaWorld is quite the park. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's amazing. I mean, the creatures there, you know, the, the sea creatures and stuff, like pick up starfish or, you know, pet the, the stingrays as they're swimming by. Or you could even touch these little sharks as they swam by, kind of feel their rough skin and stuff. And went to the dolphin show, saw Shamu, you know, the whole nine yards. Well, when we were there, it was a, it was, we had an extra treat that normally people don't get. One of the workers there said, hey, we just recently rescued a baby gray whale, and we have it in a tank, and you can't actually see it from outside, but if you go down in this tunnel, you can look in the glass, and you can look at, at it in the glass, so like a baby gray whale. So I'm thinking, when you think of a baby gray whale, when I was thinking of it, I'm thinking uh, a little baby, you know, like for a whale, okay, maybe a little bit bigger than a refrigerator, right? I mean, I'm thinking like a pretty big you know, animal, mammal, but, but still, whatever. So we go down on, on this tunnel, in this tunnel, and there's the glass there, and we're looking in, and I can't see it anywhere. I'm trying to find it for my kids, you know, and I'm, I'm up against the glass. I'm thinking, well, maybe it's like around the corner. We can't really see it, so I'm trying to look, you know, like this. And as I'm looking, all of a sudden, this monster, I mean this humongous beast, comes right up along the glass right in front of me, and I am not exaggerating when I say his eye was like the size of a football. I mean, it, and it was like, whoo, like looked like right through my whole head. It was like so breathtaking. I'm like, and I like stepped back. It was so amazing, this humongous animal, and I will never forget seeing that great. I mean, I remember, you know, SeaWorld, but I really remember seeing that gray whale. It was so, I actually didn't take a picture. I was too taken aback by it, but, but uh, I went online to kind of help you maybe visualize sort of what I experienced. This is a little photograph. It was like, like, and then it was even closer. Like that eye was like as big as my head. It was absolutely breathtaking. I think about the rapture. I think we're going to go up to heaven. This is going to be so amazing. We're going we're gonna to see our loved ones again. It's going to be just so incredible. And, and, uh, and, and we're going to maybe see some famous people, you know, in heaven. And it's going to be just an amazing experience. But then when we see Jesus, when we see Jesus, I can picture us going, <gasps> you know, taking our breath away, sort of falling back and going, no, oh, Jesus, 
the one I prayed to, the one that guided my life, the one I loved, the one that loved me. Oh, Jesus. And I picture that I will never forget the picture of that gray whale in my mind. I think we'll never forget the first time we first lay eyes on Jesus. I think it is going to be just absolutely, what's the word? You know, just just amazing isn't the right, you know what I'm saying. Just takes our breath away. We look forward to the rapture because it gives us hope we're going to see our loved ones. It gives us hope that we're going to see the Lord. And third, it gives us hope that we will be what we were meant to be. We'll finally be what we were meant to be. Let me read verse 17 in its entirety. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and look at the end. And so we shall always be with the Lord. That's what we were meant for. We were meant, we were born to be with the Lord forever. We were meant to be with Him, to be that this world is not our home. That our home is in heaven with the Lord. We're meant to be with Him. I love this passage in Philippians chapter 3. Jump back to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes here. He says this, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't wait for that moment to happen, Lord, when we can go up to be with You, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that he has, even to subject all things to himself. It's just picture that by the power of Jesus, that he has sustains all things, that he created all things, he's actually going to transform us so that we can be with him forever in this eternal state. The Apostle Paul wrote the details of that over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Jump back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 50. Listen to what this says. It says, now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood, brothers and sisters in the Lord, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. There's that idiom for dying again. But we will all be changed in a moment. By the way, the Greek word there is atomos. We get the English word atom from that. When, when uh, they found the atom, they thought it's so tiny it can't be divided. And so it means in an indivisible amount of time, in, in, a, in an instant, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, remember, in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, there's the trumpet of God when, when, when Jesus returns. And the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. Now there it is again. The idea that the dead will be raised imperishable. But wait, in 1 Thessalonians 4.14, it says that when the Lord returns, He's going to bring the dead with Him, right? He's going to bring them with Him and that they, they come from heaven. So how can they be raised and yet, and yet He brings them with Him from heaven? Let me, let me try to draw a diagram for you just to help us understand the process of this resurrection, okay? So let's say that that's the earth. And this, this is heaven up here. And uh, when we die, the body, you know, it's, it's there in the grave and, and uh, it's dead. But the spirit goes up to be in heaven. Now, if you were with me in the first uh, week when we were covering this, when we get to heaven, we actually uh, are given a heavenly body. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5. So when we get to heaven, we are actually given a heavenly body. So now we're in heaven with the Lord. We're given a heavenly body. 
and uh, when the Lord returns, he brings us with him, and then there's this rapture that happens, right? That's when people are coming up, and we meet them in the air, just like we just read. And then it says that the dead are raised. So what does it mean that they are raised? It doesn't mean that they're raised from the dead down here. It means that this body goes through a second transformation, that we actually exchange our heavenly body with an eternal, immortal, imperishable body, that actually our heavenly body is not our eternal body, that we're given uh, an eternal, an immortal, a, heaven, uh, a, 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 a forever body. It'll, it'll be our, 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 our state of being, which is our final state of being. That's what I was trying to say. Our final state of being will finally happen when the rapture happens. Now look at verse 53. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come, this, uh, come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Death will no longer have a sting because now we have, and our physical bodies will now be our eternal state, our final state. We will have our, our immortal and imperishable bodies. Verse 56. The sting of death is death. Uh, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therein lies why we can look forward to this. We can look forward to this because our victory is in Jesus Christ. We don't look forward to this because somehow we, you know, earn it or somehow we make our way up there. It's only because Jesus Christ rose from the grave that we can have hope that we too will have our eternal state. Jesus rose to resurrect us. And when we, when we, are, when we rise in, after we're in heaven, it's not rising from down here. It's resurrecting this body to a new and eternal state, our, our final state, the glorious state. And it happens in this glorious way. When the sky, in the sky, the Lord appears and the trumpet and the shout of the archangel. And this glorious event is called the rapture. Now, our hope as Christians is wrapped up in this event. But I've been imagining, so what about our loved ones that have gone to heaven? You know, when we think about the rapture, typically we think about, you know, it's going to happen while we're on the earth and we kind of are looking forward to going up, but what about our loved ones who are in heaven, like my grandma and grandpa, or like your loved ones who are there, or, you know, Christians that are up in heaven? What's going to be their experience when the rapture happens? Like, how does it look from heaven's point of view? So, if you've been tracking with us in this series, you know that we're following the story of this fictitious guy called Ethan Goodwin. Uh, Ethan Goodwin died when he was young, he was only 21 years old, and his angel took him to heaven, and his angel's name is Kalita, and Kalita uh, is there to serve him and to help him and to guide him and all that kind of stuff. They've got this great companionship with one another, and uh, we've seen already that Ethan um, uh, was taken to heaven by Kalita, that Ethan actually could see what was happening on the earth and how that, how that happened for, for Ethan, 
Last week we saw how Ethan um, saw spiritual warfare, that he had heavenly eyes. He could, see, he could see angels, he could see demons. And he actually has this guy that is near and dear to his heart who, uh, when he was working at this camp, his name was uh, um, Dejarius. And Dejarius, you know, was demon-possessed. It was just terrible for him to experience that. Anyway, I, I get ahead of us a little bit, but I um, wonder what his experience is going to be, Ethan's, when this future event called the rapture Happens. So let's let our minds go to that imaginary place, that imagination place, and just allow ourselves to imagine what it's going to be like, the rapture from heaven's perspective. Grace, help us to get our minds into that. Kalita knew what to do. We must go to the throne at the center of heaven. Ethan and Kalita went out into Ethan's front yard, and they were astonished by all the angels that were carrying their people towards the center of heaven, to the mountain of God, to God's throne. The sky looked like a swarm of glistening locusts. Kalita took hold of Ethan, and in an instant, they were in the flow. Will we see Jesus? Ethan asked. He will be there. We will get a good look at him, and we will know when he sees us. As they got within eye shot, each person and their angels, thousands upon thousands of them, dropped down where each person knew exactly where they were supposed to be. Sheer joy was raising. Everyone knew that this had to be the rapture. And by this time, Ethan's dad was there with him, along with other friends and companions Ethan knew in heaven. Even at the distance, their heavenly eyes could see the throne quite clearly. Stretching out directly above the throne, a cloud of worshiping angels rumbled upward. Ethan and the rest watched in amazement. Descending out of the clouds, one of the angels touched down on the top of the throne near the edge. Every angel standing near to their human leaned over to tell their people who that was. Kalita leaned near Ethan's ear and said, That is Michael, the archangel, chief warrior among the servants of the king. Then Michael took two steps off the throne and announced in his angelic language, which everyone understood, Behold, the Lord of the hosts, the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and is to come. Instantly, Jesus appeared standing on the throne. His clothes glowed a bright white, brighter than any white anyone had ever seen. His appearance from his throne, his light shot out over everyone like the heaven, like a flat rainbow perfectly covering one, everyone in perfect colors. As the light rained down, everyone fell on their faces on the ground like dominoes in honor and reverence. Then he spoke. The words that came out of his mouth and that were heard by each and every person in their own language, in their own dialect, crystal clear. Children of heaven and angelic servants, stand to your feet. As he spoke those words, his spirit, the Holy Spirit, moved everyone in lifting them up upright. This is one of the greatest moments I have been waiting for. I am going to call my children home and all those who dwell on earth to be in, in, in heaven with us. The full number of them have come in, and now it is time to bring them home. Then the Lord's throne and angelic cloud began to rise in unison, pulling the rainbow-colored light up with it, making it look similar to a transparent top of a tent, with the throne being the center pole. 
All of the angels held onto their person and began to rise at the same smooth speed as the throne was rising. No one said a word, mesmerized by all that they were experiencing. High above heaven, Jesus, the angels, and the people, everyone inverted what would appear to be upside down from heaven's perspective. The rainbow light coming from the throne and the cloud of angels, which was above the throne, was now below. Ethan looked down through the rainbow light and then over his, to his dad. With joy on their faces, Ethan identified what was underneath them. It, it's the earth. Look, it's the earth. As they could see quite clearly, the entire Mediterranean Sea and the countries surrounding it, Jesus and his beloved and with, he, with him continued to get into place slowly, descending undetected by the world. The rainbow light and the cloud of angels had veiled them from being seen by the earth. The angels below the throne parted, and Jesus revealed himself to those dwelling on earth. Michael proclaimed with a shout that was heard from the north of the Black Sea all the way south of Ethiopia, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who will ever be king. The citizens of heaven who had lived in a part of the world could feel their heavenly bodies transform into their internal form and for those being clothed in their immortal bodies. Then the trumpet of God called them forth, and those who had put their faith in Jesus, who were still living on earth, they were immediately snatched up by their guardian angel, and, they, and their guardian angel grabbed them by their shoulders with one pair of hands and by the hip with their other pair, and lifted them with a jolt. Upon their ascent, their bodies were transformed into their eternal immortal state as well. It looked like a rhythm of a sidewinder snake moving across the sand, ever-expanding population of heaven swayed over the earth with Christ in the center of it. They moved to the south, down over Africa, across the Atlantic Ocean, over to South America, then sweeping north of Central America. Like a massive magnet picking up paper clips, people who were in Jesus were being snatched up into the enormous heavenly population. As this incredible event finally reached the outskirts of Wisconsin, the change began to occur in Ethan. Kalita, I, I, I feel so strong, so, so full of life, so perfectly human. He looked around to the people around him. Everyone, they, they look so beautiful in heaven. They're stunning and, 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 and powerful and, and pure. Fighting to try to find the right words, he said, they... They look complete as they were meant to be from the beginning of time. Praise God, Kalita responded, nodding his head. Praise God, Ethan agreed. Ethan and, and his dad began to beam with joy as they first saw Ethan's mom, Mr. Goodwin's wife, Ruth, being lifted to heaven by her angel, then Sam and Carly and Josh and his wife and two children with them. So many others as well. And then Ethan saw the young man he never he would imagine that he would see. Dejarius, the guy he failed at Crosswind's adventure camp, the guy he knew who was demon-possessed, the guy he thought could never be saved. Dejarius Robinson. Kalita, Kalita, bring me over to Dejarius. Ethan pointed at him. Kalita wove in and out and around other pairs of people and their angels. When Ethan got close to Dejarius, 
He was grinning ear to ear and said out loud, I just can't believe it. Thank you, Lord. Dejaria saw Ethan coming and his face lit up. Ethan, Ethan, I couldn't wait to see you. Ethan was amazed at how loving and joy-filled Dejarius appeared. It's such a transformation. You look fantastic. I'm so glad to see you here. I can't wait to hear your story. Still astounded, Ethan said to him, This is amazing. To God be the glory. Absolutely. It is only by God's grace that I am here, Dejarius added. The movement of the rapture continued until the entire world of Christians were brought up to Jesus and their loved ones. Once the full number of them were saved, were together with Christ, this incredible sight above heaven was immediately hidden from those who remained on earth. All the citizens of heaven headed home as the glorious place prepared for them appeared below. As they came near, they could hear the cheers of the people and the angels who had remained in heaven. Those who had lived on earth before Jesus was born into the family of Mary and Joseph. Their angels were so excited to see them, and the immediate expansion of the population arrived. All these wonderful new people and their angels would come and prepare to return to earth again one day. And then the events of eternity were unfolding just as the Lord had promised they would. Thank you, Grace. Thank you, Grace. Imagine, just imagine what that's going to be like. It's going to be quite an event. Well, um, one more point that I want to make. Everything that I've talked to up, in this, up until this point offers us hope for something coming in the future. We're just looking for, forward to that future event. But what about now? I mean, can it offer us any hope for now? And I believe that it can. First of all, um, the rapture gives us hope that we can find comfort for today. That we can find comfort for today. And I think on two levels. One I've already highlighted. The, the idea that if our loved ones died, you know, it's that hole in our heart. And yet, uh, when the Apostle Paul writes of all of this stuff, and he says, I want to give you hope. Don't worry, you're going to see him again. You're going to see Jesus. You're gonna, it's going to be as you, were, as you were meant to be. And then he ends that section in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 18 with these words. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4.18. He says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. This should be a comfort for us even today as, a, as we may have some pain in our heart because we don't know where our loved ones, you know, we, don't, we, we know that we're going to see our loved ones again. But a second way that we can find comfort for today is how the Apostle Paul ended that other section in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, again, he's talking about the rapture, about how the, you know, the imperishable, the perishable will put on the imperishable, and the mortal will put on immortality, and all of this stuff. And then he concludes with these encouraging, comforting words. Look at verse 58 of 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, my brothers and sisters in Christ, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. I've read that. I've read that a lot over the years. I read it this past week again, and I'm studying, and I just thought, man, why didn't God like inspire the Apostle Paul to write, knowing that your fun times in ministry are not in vain? No, he writes, knowing that your toil 
is not in vain. Toil it means a labor that is burdensome, that it feels like a, a heavy weight sometimes. When we're working in things that matter to the Lord, when we're doing the work of the Lord, it can weigh us down. But Paul writes, listen, there's an event coming called the rapture. And it can comfort you when it feels like it's tough. It can encourage you to be steadfast, immovable. Immovable does not mean unteachable. It does not mean unrepentable. It means that you're committed, that you're, you're there. You're going to keep pressing on, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because we know the rapture's coming, so keep going. We know the rapture's coming, so press on, because God is watching. And God is listening. And we know that there's coming a day when we're going to be up there with Him. It could happen at any moment in an atomos of time, in an instant. We don't know when it's going to be. And then there'll be this other event that happens when we're in heaven, where we stand before the Lord and give an account of our lives. And this is what we're going to talk about next Sunday. Another event that's going to happen in heaven. Until then, I hope that we keep the rapture ever before us. That it actually does motivate us in life to press on. Motivate us in life to live a life of hope and not despair. Where we say, Lord Jesus, come, come, come Lord Jesus, we're ready. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this hope of the future that we have. Thank you that there is going to be a major change, and it's going to happen quickly, and it's going to happen gloriously, and it's going to happen powerfully. And Lord, I pray that this rapture to come might not be set off on the back burner of our life, but it will always be in the forefront of our minds. That Lord, we can't wait for you to come back and bring us home for our citizenship is in heaven. And so we say, Lord, come. And until you come, may we be found faithful. May we be found steadfast, immovable, always abounding in your work, Lord. Knowing that our toil, sometimes it can be rough, but knowing that it's not in vain. And we'll, to you, we'll give all the glory, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Okay. We've got some good ones. Okay. All right. So, will our animals be in heaven? And there was another question that was similar to that, asking about children. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's take the uh, animal question. Um, Jesus saves those who are under the curse of sin uh, who put their faith in him as their savior. And animals don't put their faith in him. We love our animals. I, th I actually think I can make an argument for there will be animals in heaven, but I don't think our l puppies that we fall in love with are going to be there with us. I know you don't want to hear that, but I can't support that. I really don't want to hear biblically. that. If you have chapter and verse that you can show me, I'm willing to buy into it. Okay, how about children? Children, we talked about that a few weeks ago, um, that um, children, uh, 
there, there's a paper that I have. If you want it, you can email to me, and I'll be happy to send it to you. The idea that uh, those who, the title of the paper, if I recall, is like, who are, um, when are we accountable and therefore savable? And the time that we're accountable for our sin is um, when we have enough ability to understand our sin and enough ability to put our faith in Jesus. And uh, some say, is there an age of accountability? Uh, There's speculation. I don't tend to hold to that. Um, but I think that uh, little children and people who are, have a, are cognitively not able to process that stuff, I think they're held under the grace of God. They're human beings. They're born. Uh, they're God's, God made them for eternity, like I said, what we were meant for. And so I think they're still under the grace of God. Good, here's one. I, I hope you haven't answered this one already because um, I'm interested in this. Here on earth, we have jobs, projects, and hobbies. What will we do in heaven, and how will we occupy our time? <laughs> I grew up believing that we'll sit on clouds and play harps and sings, which, you know, would be heaven to Kyle, but maybe not heaven to me, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and nor heaven for you if you heard me sing. So um, what will we be doing in heaven? Well, um, this creative idea that we're working on um, gives us inklings as to what we'll be doing in heaven. I speculate, I'm trying to write this story, um, and I think it can be biblically supported, that uh, our training that we're having on earth will continue in heaven, that we, when we get to come back to earth like uh, Ethan is actually being trained to be a warrior for the Lord and he'll be a part of the Lord's army but uh, so he's actually training in my imagination he's training in heaven to be a warrior for the Lord Um, there are events in heaven that are going to be taking place I think we'll know each other in heaven I think we'll work in heaven I think we'll still learn in heaven as I highlighted a while ago I think it's going to be super enriching more enriching than what we can even experience here on the earth, so um, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that will occupy, and the events that we'll be going through is what this series is all about, so we'll hear about those in the future. Kyle, in a couple of weeks, is going to talk about worshiping in heaven and what that experience is going to be like. I think the Bible has some support to give us some pretty tangible stuff around that, so stay tuned. I think that's in two weeks, right? Two weeks, yep, so a lot of stuff. Okay, you ready for another? One more. Let's do one more. So this one says, One of Grace's last comments was about those in heaven returning to earth someday. Yeah. What's that about? Awesome. That's a great question. And again, the last message that uh, I'm going to give is the glorious return. So when Jesus comes back in the rapture, notice we meet him in the air. But actually, there's a second coming of Jesus where he actually comes down all the way to the earth and he touches down on the Mount of Olives and uh, there's amazing stuff that happens. You can read ahead if you want, like, Zechariah 14 and, and uh, things like that. But we'll, we'll get to that in a few weeks. But yes, we actually return with Jesus to the earth and he touches down and, he, and uh, there's this battle of Armageddon. You've heard of Armageddon. That's, uh, that's a battle. It's not the final battle. That's different. But then he actually brings in his kingdom on the earth. So we're in heaven for a while, but that's not our eternal place. Our eternal place is back on the earth, and then there's a new heavens and a new earth, which I know is maybe going, wow, what are you, what are you, what are you, like, explain that, you know? So I don't want to confuse you too much, but the bottom line to the question, what about returning to the earth one day? Absolutely, and that is found in Revelation 19. If you want to read about it in Revelation 19, I'm going to 
unpack that uh, in a number of weeks from now, a few weeks from now. So um, is that clear or do I have to clear it up more? I think you got it? For now? It's good enough for now. We do return. Bottom line is we do return. That's it. There's, and any that I don't have, we don't have time for, again, I'm going to videotape uh, answers as best I can, and we'll post them on our Facebook post uh, page. Thank you, Autumn. All right, let's close our service in prayer together. Lord, thanks again for our hope of eternity. Thank you that you have it all mapped out for us. Thank you that you love us enough to give us it, uh, what it looks like from your word. And we pray, Lord, that as we go from this place, that the rapture, that it can happen at any moment, would just motivate us to tell others about you. Lord, that uh, we pray that you'll, you'll just motivate us because we want to bring them with us when we go to be with you. Lord, there's a lot of people, literally thousands of people all around us here in Manitowoc County that don't know you. And I pray that we'll invite them to, uh, to just consider who you are and that you died for them and you rose from the grave and you want to bring them to heaven to be with you one day. And so, Lord, just stir our hearts this week to reach out to those people who seem to be far from you and invite them to come close to you and know how much you love them and how good you are and how you want to give them the gift of eternal life. Thank you that you can offer that gift because you're alive today because you rose from the grave. And we look forward to that moment when we'll see you again. Maybe, even maybe, we'll meet you in the air and be with our loved ones and all of that. Maybe we'll experience the rapture from this side of heaven. But if not, we know we will from heaven's perspective. We thank you, Lord, for this glorious hope that is ours. And we pray this, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a great week. And uh, say hi to someone you don't know. Help them to feel welcome.